I'm Denise Densai. Here are the latest stories making headlines in the Philippines and across the globe. The Philippine government cites the COVID-19 pandemic in its decision to suspend a termination of a long-standing military pact with the U.S. Washington also welcoming President Duterte's change of heart on the matter. Caroline Howard, Caroline Howard reports. The Philippine government putting off the abrogation of its visiting forces agreement with the United States, at least for now. In a diplomatic note to the U.S. Embassy dated June 1, 2020, Foreign Affairs Secretary Teodoro Luxin Jr. conveyed President Duterte's instruction to suspend the termination in light of political and other developments in the region. The suspension will be in effect for six months. It can be extended by the president for two more quarters. Luxin says President Duterte changed his mind about the suspension of the key defense pact, deeming it untimely. Luxin adds the Philippines looks forward to continuing its strong military partnership with the U.S. But in the vast and swiftly changing circumstances of the world, in a time of pandemic and heightened superpower tensions, the world leader must be quick in mind and fast on his feet for the safety of our nation and the peace of the world. Philippine Defense Secretary Delphine Lorenzana supports the president's decision, saying nations are stronger if they work together in times of crisis and global uncertainty. Senate Minority Leader Franklin Drilon and Senator Panfilo Lacson are also pleased with the news. They believe the Philippines will benefit from the VFA amid Chinese intrusions in the West Philippine Sea. A security analyst echoes similar sentiments. And a perception right now that in the light of the pandemic, China is basically becoming more assertive, not only in the South China Sea, in the Taiwan Straits, in the East China Sea, and elsewhere. Okay. So we're seeing basically from the external uh, vantage point of view, you have see, of course, China flexing its muscle. Philippine Ambassador to the U.S. Jose Manuel Romualde says discussions with U.S. Ambassador to Manila Sung Kim are underway on how to extend the suspension of the VFA termination. It's always been under review for many years, even before uh, President Duterte became president. And, and it's always, there are many issues, of course, that needs to be resolved. In the future, I, I foresee, uh, perhaps not during the administration of President Duterte, but down the road, uh, mm -hmm. there will be some form of agreement that will or a mechanism that will be able to help in making sure that we have this mutual defense treaty in place and be able to be implemented. Washington, for its part, welcomes the Philippine government's change of heart. It says the long-standing alliance has benefited both countries and hopes that will continue in the future. The Philippine government's about face on the abrogation comes after President Duterte scrapped the VFA earlier this year on the heels of America's decision to cancel the visa of his ally, Senator Ronald De La Rosa. The lawmaker was formerly Duterte's national police chief who implemented the president's anti-drug war. The visa cancellation followed efforts by several U.S. lawmakers to ban Philippine officials, allegedly behind the detention of Filipino opposition Senator Laila De Lima. Caroline Howard, ABS-CBN News. Philippine Vice President and Opposition Leader Lenny Robredo sounds the alarm over the proposed anti-terrorism law amid fears it could be used to go after government critics. Robredo says only one paragraph in the proposal mentions how to counter violent extremism while there are several provisions on who can be branded as a terrorist. For Child Dokno, chairman of the Free Legal Assistance Group, the concern lies in how the intention of alleged terrorist attacks or acts are interpreted given the bill's broad definition of terrorism. 
Jokno also describes the provision allowing detention for up to 14 days without a warrant as clearly unconstitutional. The proposed law says when the purpose of such act by its nature and context is to intimidate the general public, create an atmosphere or spread the message of fear, or provoke or influence by intimidation the government or any uh, its international organization, or destabilize or destroy a fundamental political, economic, or social structure, or create a public emergency, or seriously undermine public safety. But Senate President Vicente Soto III says criticisms of the bill are unfounded as the measure includes safeguards against possible abuses. Ang dapat matakot lang dito ang terorista at yung sumusuporta sa terorista. Pero kung taong bayan, karaniwan nating mga Pilipino, walang dapat ikatakot dito. Lahat na safeguards nandiyan dyan. The proposal, which amends the existing Human Security Act of 2007, was approved by the House on second reading Tuesday. The number of village officials facing criminal complaints over anomalies in cash aid distribution during various lockdowns in the Philippines rises to more than 300. The Interior Department says the village officials are charged for violation of the Anti-Graft and Corrupt Practices Act, the Bayanian Tujilas 1 Act, and the Law on Reporting of Communicable Diseases. It adds the agency is undertaking a case buildup against 76 more village officials. The agency previously said airing local officials were illegally splitting cash aid among families in their villages to benefit more people. Other complaints include local government executives pocketing portion of the aid or arbitrarily choosing which families will receive subsidy. Meanwhile, Malacanang appeals for patience amid delays in the second tranche of cash aid distribution under the government's social amelioration program. President Duterte's spokesman Harry Dokes says the Social Welfare Department needs a little more time to finalize the new system of distribution, which will be electronic. This means cash aids will be directly transferred to bank accounts of beneficiaries. COVID-19 cases in the Philippines breached the 19,000 mark. The health department confirmed a total of 751 new infections Wednesday. 221 of these cases are classified as fresh, meaning test results were validated and released within the last three days. 530 cases are considered late because test results were released four or more days ago. The death toll now stands at 974 after the agency announced eight more fatalities. 90 more patients have recovered from the respiratory illness, bringing the total to 4,143. Overseas, Brazil setting another record for daily coronavirus fatalities. The number of deaths in the country breached the 30,000 mark after logging 1,200 fatalities on Tuesday alone. Nearly 29,000 new cases were also registered the same day, bringing the total to 555,000, the second highest in the world. The grim figures come as some Brazilian cities allow the reopening of non-essential businesses. Right-wing President Jair Bolsonaro has continued to belittle the virus by saying economic fallout from quarantine measures will be worse than the virus itself. He has also constantly defied physical distancing protocols. 
The total number of COVID-19 cases worldwide nears 6.4 million. 380,000 people have died from the illness and the number of recoveries stands at 2.7 million. The U.S. still leads the global tally with 1.83 million cases. Protests across the U.S. rage on eight days after the death of George Floyd. In New York, demonstrators pushed past the 8 p.m. curfew and occupied the Manhattan Bridge. Reports on the ground said protesters were stuck on the bridge after police set up blockades on both ends. In Oregon and California, thousands of protesters laid down on the ground with their hands behind their backs as they repeated the phrase, I can't breathe, which echoed the dying words of Floyd. Floyd died on May 25th after a white policeman pinned his neck under a knee for nearly nine minutes. The U.S. Senate has announced it will hold hearings on Floyd's death. The June 16th proceeding is set to tackle the use of force by police and the treatment of the African-American community in the U.S. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau lost for words, lost for words rather, when asked to comment on President Trump's handling of the George Floyd protests in the U.S. In Tuesday's briefing, Trudeau paused for more than 20 seconds before saying Canadians are watching the unrest in the U.S. with horror. It is a time to listen. It is a time to learn what injustices continue despite progress uh, over years and decades. But it is a time for us as Canadians to recognize that we too have our challenges, that black Canadians and racialized Canadians face discrimination as a lived reality every single day. Britain vows to back the people of Hong Kong should China impose a controversial national security law. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson says that measure would erode Hong Kong's autonomy and is in conflict with Beijing's international obligations. Johnson reiterates Britain's pledge to give British national overseas passport holders in Hong Kong a path to British citizenship which would allow them to settle in the UK. China's parliament last week approved a decision to create laws for Hong Kong to curb sedition, secession, terrorism and foreign interference. And those were the latest. I'm Denise Densai. But before we go, we leave you with the highlights from today's House hearing on the ABS Even franchise. I am uh, first and foremost uh, Filipino. I will live, I will die in the Philippines. Frankly, the issue of being a dual citizen it's not even something that I think about. Uh, I know in my heart, I am a Filipino. I stand by my record over the last 35 years. I have been committed to the people of this country. It is a trust that has been passed on to me by my father and by his father before him. And in fact, I always tell our employees, dito sa ABS-CBN po, it is not just a job, it is a calling. Tungkol po doon sa pagbigay ng konfirmasyon ng DOJ sa citizenship ni Mr. Gabby Lopez, hindi po ito pamamaraan ng paggrant o pag-perfect ng citizenship. Dahil po, siya po ay merong magulang, both father and mother, na Filipino citizen. Kaya po, sa kanyang pagkapanganak, siya po ay isang Filipino citizen. Ang kanya pong paggamit ng kanyang U.S. passport ay hindi po dahilan para mawala po ang kanyang Filipino citizenship. I submit that the allegation that former APS-CBN President and Chairman Eugenio Lopez III 
is an American citizen is a non-issue because he is undeniably a natural-born Filipino citizen having been born of a Filipino father and as well as a Filipino mother. No amount of interpolations would change this overriding and unalterable fact. You are a Filipino and I will stand by you as a fellow Filipino.